This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo. And the topic is the newly reintroduced Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo has reintroduced the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. The proposed legislation would create a national science-based standard for labeling of foods that contain ingredients from genetically modified crops. Pompeo says he has no personal concerns about the safety of foods that come from crops that are genetically engineered. I've spent a fair amount of time trying to understand uh, the science uh, around this, and it is very clear uh, that these foods that are genetically engineered are, are safe, uh, and that, that's, that's the first step. You can't get past that. If, if they don't cross that hurdle, uh, not much else means anything. Uh, in fact, we had a hearing uh, now a few months back where we had six witnesses, uh, many of whom opposed what I'm trying to do uh, legislatively, uh, from the left and right, from food safety groups, and from all across the board. But I asked every one of them directly, are genetically engineered foods equally safe to non-genetically engineered foods. And six for six, every witness testified that they were equally safe. And so I am, I am very confident that our food safety processes are sufficient to make sure uh, that the food that's being put um, in American stores and American consumers are purchasing is safe for consumption. Uh, and, and with respect to, to labeling, I, I always want to make sure that uh, uh, people have the right to know what's in their food. I think that's um, certainly very, very important. But I want to make sure that we have the capacity to continue to feed the world and have affordable food and a patchwork of state laws, Uh, not just states, frankly. There are cities that would love to put labeling laws on genetically engineered foods will lead to enormous cost increases for consumers. And that's uh, that's unacceptable to me for a product that is safe. So we're working to try and uh, meet all the objectives of making sure consumers can, if they choose, purchase non-GM foods, organic foods, whatever it is they prefer for their family, uh, while making sure we still have the technology to feed the world. Ranking member on the Ag Committee, Mr. Peterson of Minnesota, said it's important to find a smart way to balance the consumer demand for information with what is known about the safety of foods that America's farmers produce. How is your legislation a balancing act to clarity? I think that's exactly right. I think Mr. Peterson hit it on the head. Uh, uh, you know, he's a Democrat, I'm a Republican. Uh, that's one of the things that's been, uh, uh, frankly, most appealing to me about working on this is we're working uh, not along party lines here. So I'm excited that I think we can actually get this done. And he's right, you have to strike the balance. We've done a couple of things to do that. The first is it is absolutely the case today, and if my bill were to become law, it would be the case the day after it did, that any food producer who wants to put a label on their food that says, my food is contains no genetically engineered components or is non-GM, they still have the right to do so. So if you want to purchase organic food or non-GM food, go to the store, find products that are labeled that way, and purchase those for your family. You're likely to pay a bit of a premium, but if that's the choice you make, I believe in markets and freedom. I'm a conservative Republican, and so uh, I think that's great. Uh, this, the second thing we've done is we have now created, it wasn't in the bill last year, um, but we've created a a USDA certification process similar to the uh, USDA organic certification process that will permit food producers voluntarily to say, 
I want to submit my food. I'm going to have the USDA do a certification, and then I will have the USDA stamp of approval that says my food is, in fact, or my food product is, in fact, GMO-free. Sometimes we're looking for a clear definition, and on this debate, there comes the, the question of what is natural. We've, we've asked the FDA to actually define that. You know, I, I've heard from stakeholders across a broad spectrum. Uh, lots of folks have different views about what it means to be natural. Frankly, there's different views on what it means to be organic, right? Can there be some little small amount? I mean, so I've, we've heard a broad range. I think what's important for consumers is to have a clear standard so that they don't have to worry that uh, one box that says uh, non-GM means one thing and another that says non-GM means another. So I do think it's very important for consumers to understand when they see that label and it says non-GM or it says natural, they know what it is that that definition means. And so I'm hopeful our legislation will get us a definition for natural that will require the FDA to create one. And then we'll set up this USDA certification process for a uniform uh, certification standard for non-GM foods as well. For the certification, will it just be the Department of Agriculture, or will the FDA be involved in coming up with that non-GM tag? It'll be USDA only. Uh, FDA still has a very significant role. Uh, anyone who wants to introduce a new uh, genetically engineered product into the marketplace uh, will be required to submit that to FDA to do, a, uh, to do a review, to make sure their science is sound and the food is safe. And if the FDA finds that it's not, um, it can issue a, an objection letter. So the FDA will have the food safety component, and the USDA will have the uh, certification component. What has industry told you about the challenge of potentially having 48 different states with 48 different sets of rules. You've already had 30 states propose and, and lots and lots of legislation. What's wrong with the patchwork approach? Oh, goodness. You know, uh, our founders understood that uh, we, we were a nation of commerce and, I mean, put in our Constitution the interstate commerce provision, and it was aimed precisely at issues like this where it's not really just about 48 states. There'll be cities and towns and counties that have their own ideas about what their labels ought to look like in their own community. Uh, and so you'll have literally, could potentially have hundreds of different requirements, some of which would be conflicting. And to ask, especially small producers of food, some of the big guys might be able to figure that out, um, but small and medium-sized businesses that are trying to introduce products into the uh, uh, food stream who are required to put in hundreds of different labels couldn't possibly be expected to do that in a way that would be affordable for consumers. You know, I always think about it, like in Kansas, we make airplanes, Learjet and Bombardier and Cessna are all, all in my district. And uh, if you had a uh, hundred different localities setting rules for air traffic safety, right, you couldn't possibly figure out how to fly an airplane from L.A. to New York or from Wichita to Seattle. Um, there are things that are intrinsically national in commerce, and food labeling is one of those. I listened to the agriculture hearing last week. There seemed to be a debate on these on these two sides. One, as you suggested earlier, the right for the consumer to know. And then second of all, the weight of evidence of research. World Health Organization, American Medical Association, National Academy of Sciences, British Royal Society, so many groups saying that there's no need to label, yet some consumers want to know. How do you balance the, the, the weight of evidence in developing this labeling bill? 
We've tried to do that. Uh, you have to know, too, first of all, I care deeply about food safety. If, if the evidence was not so overwhelming, I, I frankly think if, if there were a risk that genetically engineered foods weren't safe, labeling is insufficient, right? We've got to keep them off the market. <laughs> and so it, it's not enough to label an unsafe product or a food that presents uh, health and safety concerns. Um, so I, I put them in different buckets. This, the issue of consumers' right to know, I also have deep respect for. Um, I, I believe in consumer choice, the consumer's capacity to make informed decisions. And the, my bill does nothing to prevent that. You know, some, some have called this the dark act, right? Deny Americans the right to know. There, there's nothing of that kind in the bill anywhere. If my bill becomes law, any consumer who seeks to purchase solely non-GM food for their family, for whatever reason, preference or whatever, they, they, they disagree with the science, they don't think it's safe in spite of the overwhelming weight of the evidence, they can absolutely do so. Go to the store. You can find it today in almost every supermarket in Wichita, Kansas, and go purchase foods that are organic or non-GM. You can make that decision. What I want to make sure is that we don't put a requirement on food producers that says you must label a product that has been deemed safe. That We've not done that in America before, and we, we shouldn't head down that path now with hundreds of different communities trying to do that for themselves. From your opinion, how much of this debate is about food safety and how much of it may be about marketing? Uh, it's mostly about marketing. Uh, I think the food safety issue has, has now been uh, largely resolved, and I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I don't even I, – I get very little pushback from my colleagues here in Washington, D.C. on the safety issue. Uh, the Democrats during our hearing were, were uniform in saying, no, they, they, they agree with the FDA. The science is pretty clear. So we've now moved out of the food safety world. So we are now into the range of making sure that we can have affordable food and consumers can make the choices they want. And I think my bill strikes exactly the right balance in achieving that objective. Well, the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act, you got quite a bit of traction last year. It had 36 different sponsors. Now it's 2015. There are new faces on the Hill. If you could draw the perfect timetable, when would you see activity in the House? And do you have companion legislation in the works in the Senate? Well, so we'll introduce the bill in the House. We'll have a new group of sponsors, some names you've not seen before, almost equally split between the two parties. That is always a good sign for progress here. We're hopeful that by late spring we will uh, have another hearing where we will mark up the bill in the Energy and Commerce Committee. And then hopefully not too long after that, sometime in early summer, we can move this across the floor of the House of Representatives. We've been working with the Senate literally since our hearing last year to try and identify the right path forward in the Senate. Procedurally, it's a little bit trickier, but we're trying to find the right place to introduce uh, nearly identical legislation on the Senate side. We have a couple of senators who are very excited to do that. Um, we're simply trying to make sure we found the right home for it such that it can move through the Senate in a timely fashion as well. My, my goal is to, by the end of the year, have it moved across both the House and the Senate floors. Uh, pretty ambitious, uh, but I'm hoping we can pull it off. Standalone legislation, or are you looking for a vehicle to attach? You know, I, I imagine it probably uh, proceeds as a standalone bill, at least a good distance. Uh, but one can imagine something like this uh, being attached to other agriculture legislation, uh, lots of things that are being worked on uh, relating to food safety. Uh, so you can imagine a home for this bill attached to something. But at this point, we're really trying to demonstrate support for these key provisions, making sure we have a uniform federal law, making sure we can have safe and affordable food, 
uh, and feed that next billion people uh, and then finding a place to get it on the president's desk. I, I'm, I'm confident that the president will think this makes sense, too. Sometimes the divisions come between D's and R's, sometimes between House and Senate, sometimes between rural and urban. Do you see this as a universal bill, or where do you anticipate pushback? You know, I do see this as universal. It doesn't um, cut one way or the other. You talked about some of the or- – we've got uh, hunger organizations, which sometimes are more aligned with a Democrat party. Party. We've got uh, – uh, conservative organizations that understand uh, that good government requires uh, food safety and then getting the government the heck out of the way, allowing voluntary action. Uh, we've got rural members that are excited about this because of the food producers that are in their district. We have urban uh, representatives who are very concerned to make sure that uh, their constituents who are sometimes uh, lower income have the ability to find safe and affordable food for themselves. Uh, this is a broad set of folks uh, that understand that this is just pretty good common sense, and I'm, I'm very hopeful. I, I don't see any schism. I don't see any pocket uh, of resistance. Do you have endorsement yet by the FDA or by the White House? We don't. Uh, the FDA testified at the hearing. We, frankly, weren't ready to ask them to just yet. Um, we wanted to vet this, give it a little more time for uh, members of Congress to see it. As you can see, we've made one uh, change, creating this USDA certification process. So we have not asked the uh, FDA to opine. They were very clear on the food safety issue and spoke to that very directly, talking about all the literally uh, thousands of, of, of research pieces done on genetically engineered foods. We haven't asked them to weigh in on this particular legislation yet. Uh, we know that there's one provision they're a little nervous about. They've been reluctant to define natural for an awfully long time now, uh, but I think it's upon us. I think it's time for, to, to put these definitions in places right. I'm, I'm hopeful we can work alongside the FDA to make this a work for them, and I think the USDA will be um, very willing to do this certification process. How is the Safe and Affordable Food Labeling Act that you are sponsoring, again, similar or different to Senator Boxer and Representative Fazio's legislation a couple of years ago uh, called the Genetically Engineered Food Right to Know Act? Look, they, they want to make it mandatory. They, they want to create a mandatory labeling requirement for all foods to say whether they contain genetically engineered foods or not. I don't think that makes any sense. You know, we've not done that in America before. We, we've not said um, you take a, a component of a food and it's safe and, and healthy, equal to some other thing, and yet we're going to have the government tell a food producer how they have to label their food. I think that's a dangerous path to head down, not to mention expensive. And so I think the better place is to leave this to consumers. I have great confidence that consumers who prefer to consume non-GM foods We'll figure out a way to do so, and uh, that producers will respond to that. If there's a market for those foods, uh, folks will identify it. They'll figure out how to, how to uh, market these products to their customers in a way that their customers can get the information they want to have. We'll come back to the last word on this in just a moment, but I also want to go back to a few days ago in Wichita. It was the convention of the National Farmers Union, and the EPA administrator, Ms. McCarthy, was there. What do you see of the EPA's attempt in writing this definition toward their jurisdiction of the Clean Water Act? Ms. McCarthy came and spoke to the National Farmers Union in the 4th District of Kansas in Wichita. Um, I've seen her remarks. I, I, will, I will give them credit for attempting to accommodate some of the concerns that the agricultural community had. But the mere fact that they, the EPA has now concluded that they can control so much of our lives, 
that they have the authority under a very narrowly drafted provision to expand their capacity to regulate waters that amount to a little more than intermittent streams is deeply troubling. And she, uh, she makes light of it. She thinks that uh, the agriculture community is too up in arms. Um, but anybody who's been around this a little while knows that once the government gets their teeth into something, uh, they're going to be incredibly prescriptive and incredibly uh, harmful uh, to an important way of life. And so I am hopeful that we can continue to work with them or in the event EPA pushes forward with a rule that Congress can stop this unbelievable overreach by the EPA. Congressman Pompeo, we want to thank you for your time with us this morning. It is open mic, and it's yours. Oh, just want to say thank you. Thanks very much for your time. I hope I hope folks will take a look at this bill, and they'll contact their, their members of Congress and say, hey, we've looked at this. We think this makes sense. Or if they have concerns, raise that as well. We, we want to get this right. Uh, we want to make sure that um, consumers all across America can have affordable food and that science can continue uh, to improve such that uh, we don't have to worry about uh, food safety or about food abundance in America ever again. Our thanks to Kansas 4th District Representative Mike Pompeo, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.